0: Amen. So, yeah, we're going through uh, John 17, and uh, as his, as Ryan just read for us, and like I said, it's been two years since you sent us. into Sheridan, so I want to focus this morning on the word "sent." What is a sent church? The sent church. It's a very important word in Scripture, um, and so the rest of the time, I want to. What does it mean to be a sent church? And um, at Sheridan Bible Church, this past January. In um, February, we did a series called "Sense," um, and it was in the up, it, we spent seven weeks in the upper room with Jesus, chapter thirteen through seventeen. Um, these la, this last important time, like a huge time in Scripture, where Jesus is passing the baton to his disciples, and and it's just this sweet time where we get to see Jesus like no other place in Scripture, um, and it's just an awesome thing. Here's our title slide we used. It's not that awesome. But uh, there it is. Um, there's our logo. There, there's a map of Sheridan. Um, and there's, there's the church being sent out on the roadways. And, and uh, yeah, that's the idea. It's a sent church. And, but when I say, um, yeah, and the theme verse was the next slide. John seventeen eighteen. as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And when I ch- say the word sent, I don't mean just church plants. I don't mean just Greeley Redemption, Redemption Greeley. I don't mean just um, Sheridan Bible Church. Windsor Community Church is a sent church, not just the sending church, but it's a sent church. We're going to look at that this morning. What does it mean? So in the upper room, Jesus was, um, he's going away, and these disciples have been with him for, for three uh, years and every day, in and out, and that's what you did when you followed a rabbi. You did what they did. You breathed what they breathed. You ate what they ate, and you walked around where they walked. And and now Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away. And they're freaked out because their occupation is about to just be taken out from under them. Um, all the hope, all, all what they thought Jesus was going to bring the kingdom now, and it they didn't know what was going on, and Jesus is trying to comfort them. And he says, I'm going to bring my helper, and he's going to comfort you. He's going to, he's going to lead you. And um, remember, he says, if you abide in me, the true vine, you will bear much fruit. And, and just reminding you of like, that familiar scene, right? And, and he, washed his, he washed the disciples' feet. He, just, he condescended. The king of the universe came down. He humbled himself, took on the nature of a serpent, and washed his disciples' disgusting, dirty feet, the feet that had been following him. He washed, and then he led them in the Lord's Supper before the cross that we're going to celebrate at the end of the service after the cross, displaying his love for them, trying to comfort them. I'm going to leave. The world's going to hate you, he says. If, if this world, in, verse, in chapter 16, in this world you have trouble and suffering, but to take heart, he's overcome the world. If they hated me, they'll hate you. Comforting words. Yeah? But he's, he's winding down that evening in the room, and chapter 17 is just a prayer. He prays for his disciples and no other, no other place, and he also prays for us in that prayer, all those who would believe in his name, and no other place, I think, in all of Scripture do we get capture Jesus' heart, um, the Lord's heart for his people, what he wants for us. And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to walk through it. But today, I want to uh, um, just yeah, walk through it, um, looking at that, it through the lens of three questions. Three questions. Where are we sent? To whom are we sent? And how are we sent? That's what we're going to look at. Chapter 17. And I went, I apologize to Chase, I sent him like 54 slides. So we'll, we'll go through the slides kind of quickly. I went slide happy, but there you go. And then, and then we'll just finish with some practical thoughts as we close out and we think about being sent out from here this morning. So the first one, where are we sent? To the world. Cool. Read that text. There we go. Cool, it's on the screen. Thank you. Um, where are we, where are, we, are we sent? The answer is the world. So in chapter 16, verse 33, right before 17, it says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Verse 9, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. But now I am coming to you, Father, He said, as he's speaking to the Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14, the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23, I in them, And you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. So, you've heard the cliché before, right? Like, it's not a cliché. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. And this is where this comes from, John 17. John 17 right? So what does that mean? What does it mean? Does it mean like to be overseas or, you know, what does it mean for WCC to be in the world but not of it? So this is a picture of where we meet in Sheridan. This is a, it's, it's a ministry called Kids Life. They built this building as a youth building uh, right before COVID. And we meet in the gym. You saw pictures of it. It's a great facility. It's two blocks away from Main Street. It's a perfect location God provided. It's awesome. It has everything we need. It's adequate. It's not beautiful stained glass, you know, but it's, it's great. It's, it's where God put us. Um, this next picture is a picture of where Sheridan, this Sheridan Bible Church people live, work, and play. You see Sheridan in the middle there. You see some surrounding communities. Those, each of those dots represent where people live, um, their workplaces, their gyms, where they live, work, and play. So which one do you think represents Sheridan Bible Church? Which picture is Sheridan Bible Church? Right? Yeah. Good answer. Right. You all know the answer. Uh, it's the one on the right. We're part of Crossway Network, and the way we view, view missions, the primary way we see that God's going to take his gospel kingdom out into the world is to plant local churches who reproduce and plant more healthy, reproducible local churches who keep keep on doing that and plant churches. And Lord willing, this church will plant many more churches. And Sheridan Bible Church will plant more churches, and the, this kingdom will grow. God's going to partner with Crossway to do that. And each of our local churches on our network are to live on mission in the place where he put us. That's how, that's how it works. For Sheridan Bible Church or, or Windsor Community Church to be on mission to support missionaries, to evangelize, and to reach the world, it means each one of us and all of us, in our own way, are to be missionaries in Windsor and Sheridan first. This is where God planted you all. This is where you should start. Right? And it worked, worked outward. Um, and if you were to have this old school missions wall, you have awesome uh, mission stuff. But if you have the old school one with the bulletin board and the, and the pegs, you know, where, where you support missionaries, this is what the map would look like um, of Sheridan Bible Church. This would be our missions wall. And and, and what would Windsor Community Church's uh, mission wall look like? It'd be much, you know, a lot more dots because God has provided more people here. Um, and a bigger reach all over Windsor and Weld County and and maybe in Larimer County, in and Timnath. And, and God is, that's, that's the mission wall of Windsor Community Church. Next question, to whom are we sent? To the people the Father gives us, is the answer. The people the Father has given us. Let's read more of John 17. Verse two, since you have given him authority over all flesh, Jesus is talking about himself in the third person to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Verse six, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Verse nine, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, that's, he's talking there, those who will know the word through this disciple's mission. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, you and me have been given to Jesus, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me for the foundation of the world. Jesus here is praying for at least... 11 of his closest disciples. We know he had more disciples outside this room. And the father gave them to Jesus, he says. But there's a whole TV series called Chosen. Didn't um, Jesus choose his disciples? I thought he was the one that went out and chose disciples. But here it says the father chose them and br- brought them to Jesus. Right? And so Jesus is giving us this glimpse behind the curtain of God's providence right? Behind the scenes, the providence of God is working. He's always out before us. He's always out before his people doing his work, working, preparing, making a way. And God the Father, God the Son are in partnership. He's in him. He's in him. And Jesus called the disciples to follow him. But the Father also had already providentially chosen them and gave them to Jesus. It's a partnership between the Father and the Son. No other place in Scripture do we see the Trinity working together like we do in in that upper room. So we're also partnering with God, right? As he was sent, it says, so he sends us in the same way. That means as we go out into the world, he's going before us. He's bringing people to us and circumstances. That means we don't have to just go out and try to figure out what to do. Like We don't have to go out and manufacture stuff all the time and like go, how are, we, how are we going to do this? And create uh, crazy creative ways all the time to go find people to share the gospel. We have to assume that God, just like G- Jesus sent, was sent, he's sending us. So in the same way, God's bringing people to us. You have people right now in, where you, in those dots where you live, work, and play that don't know Jesus, that have been brought to you um, and brought to me. Do we have to go? We don't always have to go manufacture and go look. Because um, God has done it. He's gone before us in his providence. We already have people in our lives under our noses. In John 4, you know, there's that, there's that famous um, uh, verse that Jesus has talked to his disciples. He says, you've heard that um, the, they say that it's four months more and then the harvest. But I tell you, look up and you see that the fields are white for harvest now. God's already gone before. Some of us, we just need to lift our eyes up and look and go, Right? Um, he's done the work for us. It's, it's an awesome praise. Like Lori said, we just show up sometimes. Not, not, we just show up and open our mouths and trust that God's going to use us and he's going to bring people. Do we trust that? Do we believe that? Or do we always have to like kick down doors? Acts 18, Paul goes to Corinth. You might remember the scene and, and he's despairing because he's everywhere he goes, he gets opposition. But, but God says, Jesus says to, to Paul, um, before the Spirit, I think, uh, says to Paul before he goes to Corinth, I have many people in that city. I have many people in there. Take heart, it's okay. I have many people. Go already, and now there's a Corinthian church. Windsor, you guys are here because God went out before you and brought you here. And 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 just because you're in this building doesn't mean that in, it's in game, right? You're coming. He brings you to himself, right? To to Jesus. And here's our here's our series title again, our slide. And there's our church logo. You know, uh, going out. Um, notice which way the arrows are pointing. Pointing outward, not this, but this. These slide people are awesome. Um, they're really good. I'm just like I'm just like thinking it, and there's like a there's like a cool connection. Um, so this next picture is uh, is a come and see church. The Sunday gathering in the middle. And and it, it could be it could be a picture of a lot of different churches in America, um, maybe around the world. A come and see church. Come to this event every Sunday, attend or whatever. Um, you'll be comfortable, hopefully hear good music, kids will be taken care of, message will be good. All not bad things. Not at all. I'm not saying that they're not bad things. It's great to have those things that the Lord has provided. Um, it's it's cool as a church plant. You're like, okay, I don't know who God's bringing, um, but we're just going to take what we have, and, and here we are, and that's cool. God brings that, and that's great. Praise him. But the question is, what's it all for, right? This is a church that wants people to come, this one and this picture, and they want people to stay, and a church whose motivation is to get people and keep people. So they do things to do that, right? The more time they can get people to devote to coming to the gathering, to their building, to, it's mission accomplished. You've done it we've we've arrived it's is, is that all God wants the church to be though right is that the is that really what he wants when this kind of church wants to do mission or send out missionaries it looks like this it's centralized so everything that the church does has to start in the middle and work its way out so it does events and programs that are mission and and and, and that's it that's all they do and you know what that's that's okay those are good things uh, Lori and Zach and I went because we came from the centralized gathering, and you guys sent us out. And that that works. God works. But if that's all it is, it's not a sent church. It's a, just only a sending church. And sending is good, but God wants us to be more, I believe, from this text. I think he wants us to be a sent church, right? And if I'm honest— most of Sheridan Bible Church looks like this right now, this next picture. We are, we're growing, and a lot of the arrows are pointing in because people are finding us, we're, we're teaching the Bible, and they like these values, authentic relationships and our vision, and they like the community they find, so they come, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, they might feel comfortable there even, and that's okay, that's good, um, but what's it all for, right? Um, and as we're growing, it's great. But I think God wants the church to look like this, I think even based on this Passage: As I, as you sent me, I send them. And so, mission is done from those dots, those places where we already live life in our workplaces, and our, in our homes, and our play places <laughs> where we play uh, the gym and, and the parks and uh, sporting events and all those things that we're into our hobbies. That's where mission is. It's out there. It's not, it doesn't have to be centralized, but it's both. There's a rhythm, right? Sometimes there's, there's, there's stuff sent, and we do programs and events, and God's in that. That's great. But if that's all the mission is, it's only ascending church. You get the picture. We don't need to spend more time being the church in the building in America. We need to spend more time being the church out there, going and sent to the people that God has given us. Diane, I missed you. We need you to, uh, I need more amens uh, shared about you. That's sweet great to see you great to hear you. Um, it encourages me. Going in sent to the people that God has given us. We say we want to be a church where, we say this a lot at Sheridan Bible Church, we don't want to just invite people to church. We want to invite people to our li- into our lives. We want to invite people into our lives and it's much harder, right? It's, it takes sacrifice and humility and a lot of sacrifice and time. So if we do that, the church starts looking like this. And those red arrows represent people, lost people coming, not to the gathering necessarily, but they're coming to your dinner table or your backyard if the weather's nice and not 100 degrees. Another reason to live in Sheridan. Um, and, and then it keeps on growing and it looks like this. And, and you know, people start coming to the gathering, but the entry point is your life, who you are, who we are. Um, and it keeps on going, right? It can keep on growing and there's more arrows we could keep going and you know, you could put life groups in there, small groups. But that's mission. And I'm sorry, but, but the, sh- the church should be super inter- not be super interested in people's comfort when they come to the gathering, but more interested in how we equip and send. How we equip everyone to go out into an uncomfy world. And if you happen to be comfortable here, awesome. This is a comfortable place. Yeah, it's awesome. God's provided that. And there's nothing wrong with that unless your sole reason for being here is that. God doesn't want us to be miserable, but comfort and happiness can be the effects and the results of being on mission with people. Comfort is not the reason to be in church, but if it's an effect, praise God. But being equipped to be sent, be encouraged and charged up each week to go out and to be a scattered church. Like, this morning is just so good to worship and not lead here in, on this stage. Uh, it was really cool, and it's just like hearing y'all sing and just praising God. This is a place we should not neglect. Coming and gathering, but being launched out again. And coming and gathering and being launched out again. And not having all the gravity here, right? I know that's, I know that's the pastor's heart here. I know that's their heartbeat. So we don't want to just invite people to a church service. But we want to invite people into our lives. So here's a question. How is inviting people over for dinner not inviting them to church? How is, how is inviting people um, to take part in the normal rhythms of your life not inviting them as an entry point to the church? If you are a follower of Christ and you're part of this local body, you're a representative of this church, you're not a church by yourself, but you're representative, and you're the entry point to God's family. He doesn't want to just save individuals from hell into heaven, but he wants to save us into a family, and there's people out there that are lost. They have no idea what a family means. Or a father means, and you and your home and your living room are the first place they're going to see what it looks like to be part of God's family, maybe. And then they could come here and they see more of that, right? So the first thing we looked at is where are we sent the world is the answer. Second thing was to whom are we sent, the people God gives us. And third, we're going to look at this last question, just in response and application to everything. So I just encourage us so kind of think of this last question as just response, and, and what, what does God want us from us today? So third, how are we sent? Just as Jesus was. That's how we're sent. And the theme verse for our, our, our series is John 17, 18, As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And that first word, as, is the Greek word kathos. And it means just as, or just like, or according to, just like. And I believe it's the most important word in this chapter to understand what Jesus is saying. And it's repeated seven times in all these verses. Next slide. So that they may be one just, just as we are one. Verse 11, 14, they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Verse 16, same thing. They do not belong to the world just as, in the same way, I do not belong to the world. Verse 21, and they will all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you verse 22, that they may be one just as we are one. And 23, and you have loved them just as you have loved me. Jesus in this prayer is recounting three years of life with these disciples, and he's showing, they've seen him do all these things for three years. He is the object lesson. So as we read this next part, just let's reflect on it. And if he's sinning, if he's been sent into the world by his Father to do these things that we're about to read, and he's sending us to the same way, let's reflect on how we are living these things out. How are we sent Jesus Jesus was? Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but, uh, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. These things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 19, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Verse 22, the the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So the first thing we see Jesus do, recount what he does in this prayer, is to glorify his Father. So the question is, do you and I live in this world to make much of him or much of ourselves? That's what glory means, muchness. this weight, it's heavy. It's all of who God is. Um, it's, it's his attributes, it's his uh, attributes. it's his character. It's his glory, it's, it's, it's his bigness, it's, it's all of that density, it's his fullness. And so to give, to make much of God is to give him glory. He's glorified God, are we glorifying, making much of him or making much of ourselves? Second, Jesus manifests or makes known the Father's name. Name means power and authority. It doesn't mean his first name or proper name, it's, it means power and authority and reputation. So are we, um, are we making much of him and also um, more about God's reputation or our own in our life? What do we put on display? Is, is it his name that we're representing or is it our name? Do people look at us and see our, our power and authority or his? Number three, Jesus in this, and in the, in, 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 in there's 10 of these, by the way, just warning, so You can write them all down, and that's great. Um, There's 10 of these I saw, um, but maybe just listen, and and the one that hits you, you can write that down and just take that one with you Um, or whatever, how the Lord leads you. But number three, Jesus made sure that they knew that everything he had was given to him by his Father. I mean, it's just the passing of a time. Father, you gave me this, I gave them this. So the question is, when people see you and me, do they see, they know that we're not owners but stewards of all that we have. Do we make that clear to people in the world, that we own nothing? Number four, he gave them his word. That's all you and I can really give anyone, right? His words, um, not ours. That's why the Bible is what we preach In Sheridan, that's what you preach here. Every Crossway Church, it's exegetical preaching. It's through the word, verse by verse. Uh, We're exposing, it's expository. We're exposing what's there. We're not imposing what we're doing, what we're saying. We don't have words that provide wisdom. Only God's word does. And so he gave them his word. Is that what we're doing? When we post things on social media, when we speak to people in the streets, do our words drip with his words or our words? Number five, he made sure that they knew he wasn't acting on his own accord or behalf, but he was sent by the Father. When people look at our lives, would it be obvious to them that we were acting on our own behalf or his? Are we representatives? Number six, he prayed for them. How's that going for us? You know, I ask people, um, you know, do you think prayer is important? Yes. think prayer is effective and powerful when it's it's working and active. Yes. Um, Is anybody good at that? No one raises their hand. No one raises their hand in the church. I've, nobody. No one thinks they're good at praying. Um, we all could grow in it, right? Um, so how are we doing praying for the lost in our lives? Because part of God's providence that he goes before us is we're asking him, God, go before us and bring people to us praying, right? Number seven, he kept them and guarded them. These are priestly words. You can look back in the garden um, when Adam and Eve were made. there to guard and protect, to keep the garden, and then later on in the tabernacle, the priests kept and guarded. These are priestly words, and now Jesus is, is t- telling his disciples, protect and guard. Like I've I pre- pre- protected and guarded you. Now you go and um, don't lose anyone. You know, protect, guard, and as much as as much as it depends upon us. How are we protecting and guarding those in our care, like our children with the word? How are we protecting what they hear, and how are they protecting their ears, or their eyes, our neighbors, our coworkers? People who can't advocate for themselves. Number eight, he consecrated himself for their sake. That means set himself apart. Doesn't look like the world. If the world hated him, they'll hate us. So so if we look like the world, no one's going to hate us. But if we don't, so how are we looking like that? Are, Are we looking like the world? Are we sanctified? Are we consecrated like Jesus was? Number nine, the glory he had, he gave to them. The muchness and the weight of all he'd been given, spiritually, physically. Jesus shared with them. He poured it out, right? He poured himself out. That's what it means to share glory. It's to take all of who God made you to pour that out. That's sharing your glory. We have glory. It's the muchness of you. The muchness of you pour that out for people so that they can see the muchness of Christ. That's what he's saying. That's what it means to share glory. Number 10 not in the chapter explicitly, but it's implicit. It's the whole upper room scene. He loved them. All this is expression of love. We see that in the upper room right before this, right? The, the Lord washed his disciples' feet. He, he, before the cross, pointed towards the cross with the, with the meal, uh, the Lord's Supper that was Passover. He looked back at what Passover was from Israel's deliverance out of Egypt and, and applied that to himself and forward-looking to applying that to the church. And, and they could remember that meal before, they went to the, before he went to the cross. And now we're remembering it tonight, or to, this morning. Um, um, we, we meet in Sheridan Bible Church at night. So anyway, uh, we, this morning we're, we're going to celebrate it, looking back at the cross and also looking forward to celebrating the wedding supper of the Lamb in the future. Uh, because of what? because of his love poured out for us. His love shed, his body broken, his blood shed for us. Love is what compelled him to be sent in the world. And the question is, for us, all this stuff we've heard, is it love that compels us or is it guilt? Or is it like obligation? What a church person does, it's what the church is supposed to do, mission. Uh, or is it love that compels us? The love, and, and we can't do this on our own. So John seventeen eighteen: as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And so how, did he, how was he sent in the world? Love. Love compelled him to come. And does love compel us? We can't do this on our own. We can't muster up this stuff on our own. Um, only those who, if you've, if you've been loved and adopted by your father, you put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross, then we have the, the, the understanding of what it means to love others. And an understanding of what life transformation means that we can be transformed by his love because we who are sinners and wrecked and broken and part of the darkness, part of that world, that he would come in our life and transform us by his love displayed on the cross in his life. That's what compel. that's the only thing that can, that can well up in our hearts when we're born again in that truth, we can have love for people the same way. That's the only thing. And if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you haven't seen that love in your own life, that He can take any broken mess and restore it, transform lives, and he hasn't done that in your life, will never be able to do this. They'll just be playing church. Only He can transform us. Jesus I was sent in the same way He's sending us. So I have one more thing I'm going to read, um, we're gonna, and then we're going to celebrate communion. This is uh, from, some of you have read this, The Gentle and the Lowly. And it's on page 30 and 32. Dane Ortland wrote this. I highly recommend the book. And this just epitomizes Jesus' love in this upper room and what he did and what we're about to celebrate. If the actions of Jesus are reflective of who he most deeply is, we cannot avoid the conclusion that it is the very fallenness which he came to undo, that is most irresistibly attractive to him. This is deeper than saying Jesus is loving or merciful or gracious. The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, is to move toward that sin and suffering and not away from it. If compassion clothed itself in a human body, and went walking around this earth, what would it look like? We don't have to wonder. And I thought about that for our church, your church, our church. If compassion clothed itself in the body of Christ and went walking around Windsor, walking around Sheridan, Greeley, Tacoma, what would it look like? We shouldn't have to wonder. Amen.